Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? I appreciate how all the new true crime documentaries, they're trying to do more from the victim's perspective and tell the victim's story. I think it's interesting. And every one of these new documentaries always, absolutely, of course, though, is that like, Courtney, love to laugh. Courtney, you'd always find her with a packet of peanuts. Oh, sure. She's literally (laughs) an angel. And just one time, I want to hear, there's been like, Rodney Smith, victim number one. He was a real fucking piece of shit. Well, <laughs> he's also a victim, so that that trumps all of that, doesn't he? But I just want wow. one being like, Rodney, honestly, I'm glad he's dead. And honestly, if there was two Rodneys, I'd wish the other Rodney would be dead as well. Well, you are a horrible interviewee for this documentary. Rodney Welcome. owes I me don't know $150. Rodney was brutally murdered. And I can't get the money back because he's a part he of the Victims Association. Brutally murdered. Okay, this is the last podcast on the left everyone i am ben hanging out with henry and of course marcus parks hey hey i understand where you're coming from henry but i understand that from a different perspective i'm watching the john wayne gacy documentary Mm -hmm. and why not interview just one child who smiled while he was a clown (laughs) just just one child who said yes but it was the best birthday party of my life. <laughs> I will stand by the fact that I don't think that John Wayne Gacy was a very good clown. He was not. He was scary he, all the time. Well, we know mm. that because of his uh, the psychological makeup of just his makeup, yes. like literally the pointed edges. And I just feel like when you watch him, John Wayne Gacy's only funny to other men who look like Teamsters. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, John Wayne Gacy is currently headlining in Austin this weekend. Um, all right. Let's do this story. We are so excited to bring you this tale of. Are we? Well, it's back. I'm going to say we're back to blood, back to guts, back to mayhem. And uh, the person who's going to provide that blood for us today is a demonic character, Danny Rowling. This shit's fucked up. Danny Rowling, a.k.a. the Gainesville Ripper, was an American serial killer drifter who murdered eight people in single, double, or triple murder events between November of 1989 and August of 1990. And most of those murders occurred over a period of just four days. Holy shnikes. He's the type of serial killer that kind of, he confuses me in many ways because who he is as a person versus what his crimes were like to me don't add up like a lot of times i think that when you see a serial killer you know oh this is gonna be a chaotic they had a chaotic personal life so then their murders 
are also the scenes, the crime scenes are going to be very chaotic. But this is the story of a drifter killer who also was a very meticulous, highly organized serial killer who also worked in sprees, which is very yeah, scary. That, that's what I was mm. going to ask. If, if they took place over four days, is he a serial killer or a spree killer? Because he did uh, commit a triple murder about five, six months before the spree murder, okay. uh, then yeah, he's he's absolutely a serial killer. It's just that the cool down period uh, that he had in those four days was very, very short because each one was planned and each one was meticulously executed, if you'll excuse the pun. I won't. No, I won't. And no. I think you should be putting stocks for it. He's in pun jail. You're in free speech jail and, he, and Marcus is in pun jail, which means I'm running this fucking business. <laughs> oh, God. Here we go. Oh, God. He sold the mics. There's just piles of beer here. What? But I wonder how long I have to spend in the penitentiary over here. I got, oh, God. I got ten more years. I just got ten more years of the pun. Oh, wow. All I wanted to do was make a small reference to Michael Jordan, how he's a basketball player more than a baseball player. So this man's a serial killer who happened to play in the spree game. As You're well. using mm-hmm. my sports reference. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, as far as the scope of Danny's crimes went, he also committed armed robberies and rapes. In addition to committing murders that went beyond slashed throats and bound wrists into areas of horror that venture well into the realm of hyper violence. I don't know if this episode's going to be the Gold Star episode. I believe it's going to be next episode. This episode is going to wander into Gold Star territory, definitely. But next episode, we're 100% sitting in a, a, a Gold Star seat. This is one of those old school heavy hitters. This is one of those that... Like, Whoa, this is a this is a back in the day kind of serial. Roar of the crowd. <laughs> well, combination of a product and a process killer, Danny Rowling both killed using horrific methods and posed some of the mutilated bodies post-mortem in ways that give the Richard Chase crime scenes a run for their money. Uh-oh. Okay, so it's it might not be a gold star episode, but this is definitely a Mr. Yuck episode. <laughs> Here's some yuck. If there's anything yeah. Richard Chase related, it's going to be nasty. Yeah. But that was Danny Rowling, the serial killer. Danny Rowling, the man, was 98% of the time a friendly and easygoing, if emotionally stunted fuck-up with delusions of grandeur concerning a possible songwriting career. It's the songwriting career <laughs> oh, no. that is the difference. It, because what do we know about frustrated musicians, frustrated artists in general? Sometimes they take those frustrations out on their would-be consumer class. They could, or they take it out on themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, it would be unfair to call Danny Rowling a failed musician because he never really tried making it outside of singing songs about death to children at birthday parties. <laughs> this honestly, that's, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty good. But while his songs are better than, say, Charles Manson songs, when it comes to technical ability, they just don't have the same zazz. Because Manson did have a weird star quality about him. You he know, did. he'd go into parties, he's like, I can talk sideways. You want to see what it's like? Yaggy, 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 yaggy. And they're all like, there's something about this guy. But uh, Danny Rowling didn't have that X factor. No. No, I don't think any of these people belong on Teen Beat on the cover of maybe like <laughs> Teen Beat and Murder. But Manson was. And Manson got the ear of the Beach Boys, which uh, at the time, I mean, like he was closer to having a hit record than the three of us ever were. 
Yeah, that's We're true. We're not musicians. Well, we got microphones. <laughs> well, Danny Rowling saw himself as a kind of Jesse James, a suave, misunderstood singing outlaw whose crimes could either be blamed on an entity called Yanad. Do you get it? It's Danny spelled backwards. He's oh, my. <laughs> or, or. It could also be blamed on a demon called Gemini, which Danny just fucking ripped from The Exorcist 3. Maybe I think, honestly, I'd blame it on the fact that his haircut, he looks like Bert from Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> he has that weird, what it's about serial killers and having a haircut where all of your hair is piled in a little like circle <laughs> on the very top of your head. Well, it's fun because then the prison guards can grab you by it. Yeah. <laughs> But even though Danny tried to later blame his crimes on internal entities, just like Ted Bundy and John Wayne Gacy did, he was also constantly apologizing for his actions like a child who believes that just saying I'm sorry is all that you got to do to make their transgressions go away. Emotionally stunted. He was mm -hmm. like a little boy. But even though Danny was admittedly abused as a child in ways that make Gacy's childhood seem tame, his life was still, like the lives of most serial killers, a long string of pathetic events perpetrated by pathetic people for mm. pathetic reasons. But before we get into the story of Danny Rowling in earnest, let's acknowledge our two sources today. We've got The Gainesville Ripper by Mark Ryzuk, which is a more straightforward classic true crime book, and the more sensationalistic and recent A Monster for All Time by J.T. Hunter. It's interesting. Normally it's reversed. Normally the mm -hmm. old one is the sensationalist one and the new one is the let's really take a look at this hmm. now that we're mature and it's 2005. <laughs> now, most serial killers have pretty rough childhoods, as we know. And usually, that rough childhood is caused by one single parent. Because I was racking my fucking brain about it. I couldn't really think of a serial killer who got it from both barrels, besides, like, say, Ed Gein. But even then, it was mostly his mother. Henry Lee Lucas. Mm. I could put him up there. Henry Lee Lucas was, I believe, molested by the entire family and beaten by the entire family. But was Henry Lee Lucas an actual serial killer, or did he just kill his mom and a couple other people and lie about all the rest? Interesting. Either way, being a hypocrite and a liar is the worst sin of all. <laughs> I don't... I'm sorry. In Danny Rowling's case, the psychotic parent that broke their child was his father, James Rowling. When Danny was born in Shreveport, Louisiana in 1965... Marcus... In order to really set the tone for Shreveport, Louisiana, can you say it correctly? All right. When Danny was born in Shreveport, Louisiana, 1965. That's how you, that's how you can tell <laughs> what his childhood really? was like. Go, Shreveport. Shreveport, yeah. Louisiana. You don't say any letters. Yeah. That's oh, the key. There's no letters. Louis Three quarter wing in, yeah. a ruling. I like son that. of Dame ruling. Yeah. It kind of oh. makes it kind of it makes it easier on the brain. <laughs> sure, okay. Well, Danny's father immediately hated his newborn son well. because his wife Claudia had become pregnant within months of their marriage. Apparently, this fucked with James Rowling's life plan because James was soon forced to take a job he hated on an oil rig to support his new surprise family, which began the resentment towards Danny before he was even fucking born. I mean, I'm going to channel the father from the movie Dirty Work. Has this guy heard of pulling out? What you, <laughs> he knows he's complicit in the creation of this child, right? No, no, no. She was so swept by his eroticism and his deep, <laughs> deep plunging inside there of her. There was nothing else he could do? There was nothing else he could do. And uh -huh. her eggs, honestly, had the option of staying shut. 
<laughs> I don't think. I think he had the option easier than anyone else in the situation to just. And I might be just. Out. I might just be speaking for my own childhood, but I thought all fathers have resentment. <laughs> They're not supposed to. You're supposed to have a child when you're ready. Oh. No, oh, my weird. father loved me very much and Disgusting. still does to this day. You fucking weakling. <laughs> <sighs> There's a lot of good parents out there who planned to have children. <laughs> yeah. And even unplanned, a lot of those babies, all of those babies are loved as well. <laughs> <laughs> but that was just one of Danny's opening disadvantages. While most serial killers have to wait a few years for a head injury, Danny Rowling's head injury came while he was in the process of being born. Mm. The doctor delivering Danny clamped a little too hard on Danny's head with the forceps, breaking the veins in Danny's skull, which is exactly what happened to serial killer Haddon Clark on his way out of the birth canal. Very interesting, because him and Haddon Clark also have a lot in common in terms they of do. what they did, uh, the types, the way that they lived, mm. and drifter killing. And also, he was his mother was severely abused while she was pregnant with mm. him because of yeah. his anger that he had towards having a new family coming in. And it's obviously this is not a good way to start. No, it's no. not. Also, that is what happened to this is not a bit. That's what happened to the Kennedy uh, to to the uh, Rosemary. Rosemary. Yes, that's exactly how she got uh, the ailments. We need mm -hmm. to start a program against head squishing. Just, I don't understand how the doctors did it. They were, were they, did you go to like Lenny from Of Mice and Men Hospital? Like how do the doctors, they can take a small thing out of your eye, but yet they squish the head of a baby? I think that Shrapwal William has changed a lot in the years. And then I think maybe when you're in the outskirts of Shreveport, some of these hospitals or they sound like that. You go to the hospital, he's like, I'm Dr. Octopus. It's like, what? Oh, <laughs> Dr. Octopus? I'm Dr. Wellstone Octopus. Dr. Wellstone Octopus. That's a great character, doctor. They forced me to put an asterisk next to the doctor on a piece of paper that the concrete building I went inside told me I was a baby doctor. <laughs> I'm happy this is working out. <laughs> As Henry just mentioned, I mean, James Rowling did severely beat his wife while she was pregnant with Danny Rowling. Ugh. He choked her and threw her down a flight of stairs, presumably in an attempt to force an abortion. Once Danny was born, though, his mere presence enraged James Rowling. When Danny was learning to crawl, he'd shuffle on his butt with one leg tucked underneath. Uh, yeah. For some reason, this was unacceptable behavior. So James shoved his infant son down the hallway so hard, he bounced off a wall. Mm. Just well, to stop this weird butt shuffle. It's kind of, yeah. it's similar in a way to John Wayne Gacy, where he, his father looked at him as a boy and he viewed his boy as being effeminate. And so he decided to beat the effeminate out of him. And mm. it doesn't seem to work. Be very no. careful following cultural norms. Just love your kid. Yeah, you can just like your just, kid. Just let them be. Yeah. Let them shuffle on they their just butt. Are, they, that's just how they crawl. That's this just is why been. there's a fine line between absent parenting and just having a little Coors Light and watching your kid play. You know? <laughs> just like, have, like you know, relax a little bit. Relax a little bit. <laughs> Around the same time, Claudia Rowling got pregnant again with another child, Kevin. But Kevin didn't incur his father's wrath like Danny did. Or at least, that's what Kevin assumes. According to him, he doesn't think his father abused him, but he also admits to have blocked out 
years of his childhood. Mm. Oh, that means there was a lot of abuse. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, as it sometimes goes in abusive households, Danny's defense mechanism was to side with his father, even though his father was the abuser. Mm-hmm. And instead of trying to save his mother, Danny desperately sought his father's approval. And conversely, Danny also hated what he perceived as weakness in his mother because she felt to protect herself and her children. And because a boy's view on the world is sometimes shaped by his view of his mother, that internalized hatred later manifested itself in horrific ways. Which is how abuse gets normalized, because then you begin to view the abuse as love. Danny views the attention Mm. that his father gave him when he was abusing him as what love is. And so that's what cements this idea of when I want to love somebody, I have to hurt them. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as his father's abuse went, James would beat them if they held their fork wrong, make them hold their breath until they turn blue, beat them until they pissed themselves, Mm. and he'd give them painful noogies that were neither playful nor jocular. And as a person who is balding, noogies are not playful anymore. They are not playful. <laughs> they hurt because you are just putting knuckles to the very fine hairs between the air and my skull. Well, and now that we're speaking of noogies, it's a good time to plug the fact we'll be in Grundy County. Because Wait a second, what do noogies have yeah. to do with Grundies? Noogies and Grundies. That's what boys do. You guys know what Grundies are, right? No, I have no, I've never heard of a Grundy. I've heard You've of a grundle. Never heard of yeah. a grundy where you grab somebody by the back of their underwear and pull it up to their butt crack? That's a, That's a wedgie, wedgie, bro. That's not a grundy. I think it's called a Grundy. It's called a wedgie. What are you talking about? Did you? No, I am. I am almost. I think you got molested by a man named Grundy. Okay, no, Grundy. Grundy verb is what I'm. Yeah, actually, he actually he's right. There, some people do call wedgies Grundies. Okay, yeah, I thought that everyone. I thought that was the whole joke when we kept on saying Grundy County. No, (laughs) not to me. I just like the name Grundy. Wow, interesting. Yeah, Reach, yeah I'm just so, so happy that I won this one really be- weird side <laughs> bet that we have that has nothing to do with anything. But this country's so big and so wide. There's so much inside of it. And that's why it's so important for these United States to get okay. to know each other. Thank you so much. Back to the story, Marcus. You mentioned yeah. how the father used to beat the son for not holding a fork properly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would have gotten your ass kicked. What? Oh, because I hold forks real weird? Yeah, That's I do what, hold I mean, forks a, weird. Yeah. No, my mom yeah. also got beat for holding the fork wrong, too. That seems to be <sighs> just a thing for this time period. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wasn't beat for holding the fork wrong, although I did have a, a, a girlfriend who was enraged by it for some reason. <laughs> that was just some control <laughs> issues. Yeah. I don't know what people are very weird about things. Well, this testimony of abuse didn't just come from Danny Rowling. Claudia's sister, Agnes, said that the Rowling family stayed with her for six months. And during that time, she found Danny and Kevin bound with ropes by their father over a dozen times. So by this time in Danny's life, James Rowling had become a police officer. Yay! Oh my God! (laughs) And anytime Agnes tried reporting abuse in the household, whether it be towards the kids or her sister, the reports would somehow magically disappear. Oh, so he's also a magician! Wow. (laughs) But you'll be happy to know that James's fellow cops later said that James was, quote, a great guy. (laughs) Oh my! And you shouldn't believe anything about him, because he's a cop. He's a great guy. He's wonderful. And due to his short, stocky nature, he was known by his cop buddies. As, they called him Baby Dumpling. I feel like you only should earn the name Baby Dumpling as if you are a famous pedophile. Hi, Keel. Oh, right. Y'all don't even need to hide from me. You know what I do. Never go out after 8 p.m. The Baby Dumpling will get you. Hi. 
Oh, it's even scarier than I, I thought. I ain't even trying to hide. It's horrifying. <laughs> Besides the abuse, Danny also dented his forehead on a concrete step when he was five. Mm. He was molested by a visiting cousin at the age of nine. And what? he physically prevented his mother from slitting her own wrists in the family bathroom at the age of 11. Holy hell. All right. So this is not just a serial killer soup. This is a full gumbo. This is a, this is a, <laughs> this is a potluck. This is the one you bring and share with the whole church. It's, a, it's not an appetizer. It's an entree. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. Well, as such, Rowling was a truant, alcoholic, petty thief by his early teens, both eager to impress his police officer father while also doing everything he could to piss him off and embarrass him in front of his cop friends. At the same time, though, Danny, like many a troubled youth, also picked up a guitar yeah. and began dreaming of being a singer-songwriter after learning the hymn, Near My God to Thee. Because nothing oh. says rock and roll like a hymn. Well, a hymn is a great place to start. That's how James Brown started. Yes. Mm -hmm. However, by his teens, Danny's wires had already gotten crossed. Mm. His daydreams of being a famous singer were often paired with escalating fantasies of sadistic sexual violence. And like most serial killers, Danny was also very sensitive. Mm. At the start of seventh grade, James shaved Danny's head as a punishment, which I get could be traumatizing. It That's does sound up. traumatizing. We yeah. used to get our heads shaved all the time. It's a free haircut. But That's you, you you wanted it. I didn't want it. That was the only thing my parents would do for us. Yeah, it's true. That's what that was like a boy's haircut. Was you just got a buzz cut. You just got a buzz it. cut. And I looked horrible. I was like the tall dumpling. <laughs> Long <laughs> dumpling. Long dumpling. <laughs> but when Danny got to school, the kids gave him the nickname. Sasquatch, hmm. which I suppose is meant to be ironic because he wasn't big and he was just bald. I don't know why he called. Yeah, I'd call him E.T. I'd call him the bowling pin. Son of Little Dumpling. Son of Little Dumpling. Son of Baby yeah. Dumpling. And it's just you, you go to school, you got a bald head and there's that big dumpling man outside going, ha, bring your friends outside. <laughs> okay. Bring them to my birthday party. It's just me. No pains. All right. <laughs> Uh, that could certainly have been worse. Yeah, definitely. Sasquatch is not bad. I mean, it's I'm, maybe bad. I'm projecting and, <laughs> and just dealing with my life. Yeah. <laughs> but Danny never forgot about it and held on to that humiliation for years. Now, Danny seemed to be turning things around a little at 15 when he got a job at Dairy Queen. Oh. But after getting into a physical fight with his father that ended when his dad put his hand through a plate of glass... Danny decided he'd had enough. Rowling went to the bathroom, wrote, I tried, I just can't make it, on the mirror with lipstick, and attempted suicide in the woods with a razor blade. This was, however, all for show, and Danny went back home when he got hungry. Yeah, it was, it was a cry for help. He's desperate. He watched his mother do it. He uh, He's in a world of hurt. He's yeah. not good at school. He's not good at the guitar. He's not good at friends. He's not good at a single thing, which is what we always talk about, how serial killers are born out of extreme mediocrity. He got hired at Dairy Queen. My friend Snake got hired at Dairy Queen. I yeah. don't even. I think he wrote the word Snake <laughs> on the application. Yeah, I didn't even realize it. I... Burger King and Dairy Queen. I wonder if they ever met. <laughs> Has anyone ever thought about that? I'm just so upset. <laughs> this is like when these Twitter accounts all become ironic. You know? I know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Meanwhile, Danny's father was getting worse and started waving his gun around the house when he got angry while saying, I'm going to get you to both his wife and his kids over and over and over again. At least he warned them. Meanwhile, he walks into the police precincts and everyone's just like, baby dumpling. It's me, everybody. Bring your children to work day is my favorite day. I hate guys like this so much. So much. What an Mm -hmm. asshole. Yeah. Anyone that is nice to people on the outside and then mean to their family is just, uh, man, it's all wrong. Yep. It was around this time that Danny began escalating. The older he got, the stronger his violent fantasies became. And before he knew it, he began peeping on women, just like Ted Bundy, Jerry Brudos, and countless others before him. Um, I'm going to maybe head into some Kissel territory here. But I think You're gonna we should drop some hard truths. Really, I think so. <laughs> I think we should re-look at the word "peeping" okay. as a crime, <laughs> and I think we should change it what, to what? Because Stalking? something because peeping just sounds like those little peeps from Easter walking across the road, oh. and everyone has to stop being like, "Oh, it's a peeping." Oh, peep where, train, peep um, train. Where the crime actually is looking through windows and jerking off at a stranger. Maybe we can call it criminal voyeurism. Okay. Sure. sure. I was about yeah, but that. that's too many. But again, that's not cute. You can't put that in a bumper sticker being like, I'd rather be. <laughs> well, do you want it cute or do you want it accurate? <laughs> yeah, I think you didn't want it cute. I thought it, you wanted it more technical. Because now I'm just thinking about a bunch of peeps jerking off looking at me through the window. I need <laughs> some kind of like dangerous one word. Snarpin. Uh, Snarpin. <laughs> All right, there you go. You nailed it. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough. But Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. What's poppin', listeners? I'm Lacey Mosley, host of the podcast Scam Goddess. Each week, I talk with very special guests about the scammiest scammers of all time. Want to know about fake heiresses? We've got them. What about career con men? We got them, too. Guys that will wine and dine you and then steal all your coins. Oh, yes, they're also represented. And I'm very excited to share that Scam Goddess has joined the Team Coco Network. So check out the show. I've got guests like Nicole Byer, Jamila Jamil, Ira Madison III, And I've even got a brand new episode where Conan O'Brien and I dig into the Wolf of Wall Street. So join the congregation. Listen to Scam Goddess wherever you get your podcasts.
Before his behavior escalated again, Danny took a short detour to the Air Force at the age of 17. His antisocial urges, however, ended his career before it even began, and Danny was stripped of his rank for disobeying orders, hoarding drugs in his bunk, and stealing, then wrecking a bike by crashing it into the back of a military truck. Stripes ruined my whole idea of what is bad behavior like in, in the military, because I view all that. I was like, oh, that's fun. He's like a fun guy. I thought that's what you did. <laughs> for the theft and wreck, Danny was given 30 days in military jail and was dishonorably discharged from the Air Force in 19. 1973. Remember that for a future reference, Danny did not, he barely made it out of boot camp. Also, that's how he came into this world, a dishonorable discharge. (laughs) 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 Now I'm in pun jail. (laughs) (laughs) You're selling. Bunkies, he's my bunkie. Bunkie, I got a shit. I got a shit. Can you imagine what hell you'd be in in that nine by nine cell with Kissel just nine by nine of it? We'll be lucky if it's a nine by nine. (laughs) Well, Danny then moved back in with his parents in Shreveport, where his father continued to tell him what a worthless piece of shit he was every single day. Yeah, I don't think Shreveport was going to get any easier if he got discharged from the army and then went to go live with his sadistic father, Cotton. Mm, Yeah. And to cope, Danny turned to drugs, alcohol, and religion. He began attending King's Temple United Pentecostal Church in Shreveport, where he joined the church choir and played guitar for the congregation and Jesus. Much like Berkowitz, I think that you religion is a really good place to go if you need a set group of friends. Like if you need an immediate group of friends and a support network, you can always throw yourself to the church and yeah. be like, I'm into this now. Cause it also number one gives you a like a veneer of respectability because you're fixing your soul. And two, it's a whole bunch of fucking gullible goobers that you can manipulate. And they're forced to hang out with you because it is a church. It is a bizarre trifecta, though, the drugs, alcohol, and then joining a church. Usually people do drugs and alcohol, quit, and then join the church. But he kind of just lumped them all together. Well, no, pretty soon he was he quit drinking. He was oh, doing okay. drug, alcohol first, then drugs, oh, so the then church. the church kind of helped mellow him out on that anyway. For a bit. I okay. mean, pretty soon he was attending church five days a week and even took on church duties. He drove the church bus and he dressed up as the Easter buddy during services that year. Why is everything scary? Can <laughs> <laughs> we have one Easter buddy that is not a murderer, please? <laughs> Danny also met a quiet Christian woman named Omather Halco at a church social. And within four months, Danny married... Omather Halco. Now, James Rowling hadn't really set a good example for Danny when it came to raising a family, and Danny wasn't what you'd call a mature person outside of that. See, the one thing that just about everyone who knew Danny personally had to say about his personality was that while he was a nice enough guy most of the time, he had the emotional maturity of a child. And like children... They can be really good, but children are incredibly selfish as well because they have to mature. Their minds have to mature. But also, children can be incredibly cruel and physically violent to each other. Yes, they can be. Well, perhaps the most illuminating opinion on this came from a psychiatrist who examined Danny after he was arrested, who said that Danny, on his best and brightest day, was no more than eight or nine years old on an emotional level. Mm. Add to that an inability to provide financially because he couldn't keep a job and the inability to satisfy his wife sexually because his actual sexual preferences were becoming horrifically violent. Uh, And you've got a marriage that wasn't going to last long. Yeah, you got to work on a marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but if he has his fetishes and stuff, I'm sure if they had a mature conversation about it. 
Uh, it's hard could... to. Uh, this is one of those <sighs> things we've talked. We've talked about this several times on the show. How do you express to your partner that my actual sexual needs are? I want to tie you up. I want to surprise you. I want to do these rape fantasies. It takes someone who is a very giving person. You have to like. You got to spell that out. I think you got to yeah. talk about that with like a counselor and shit. You need like a third party to like help you parse all that shit out. I don't know how you do that. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be the mature portion of it, making sure everything is safe. Mm -hmm. See, within months of marrying, O'Mather was pregnant with Danny's child. But instead of stepping up, Danny started drinking again and got caught peeping on... Got caught criminally voyeuring. Oh, I uh, thought it was called <laughs> snarping. Snarping. Oh, snarping. Excuse me. Got caught snarping several. I don't. I'm not gonna. Snarping sounds just as cute as fucking peeping. Snarping criminal, sounds very cute. Yeah, criminal voyeuring also doesn't really work either. But peeping is just so. It's just too innocent. What about being a bad window cleaner? <laughs> windowing. Windowing. That's good. But anyway, he got caught. Looking at women through windows. And that, and, that, <laughs> and that garnered humiliating visit after humiliating visit from the cops. We're going to have to arrest your eyeballs, son. <laughs> but like lots of people in Danny's mindset, none of this was his fault. And he blamed the peeping on his wife's, quote, frigid attitude towards sex. Yeah. In 1976, Danny abandoned his family for a month, and by 1977, O'Mather was filing for a divorce after Danny threatened her with a shotgun. Jeez. Now, Danny again took no responsibility for the failure of his marriage and told his reverend, quote, Now God's against me too. Now God's punishing me too for being born. So much for praying. Jeez, buddy, I think you have something to do with the problems well, in your life. Well, that's I, why I put it in the song I, like I don't love anymore. God's my ex-girlfriend. He won't love me anymore. You know, music doesn't replace really good therapy. <laughs> well, after seemingly resigning himself to his fate, Danny stole his dad's revolver and drove out to the woods to kill himself. But when Danny found he again couldn't go through with it, he figured he'd do the next best thing. Suicide by cop. That's the way to go. So what, he's going to be shot by his own dad? Well, that that's the, the thing. The pinnacle of revenge. Yeah, I mean, he, that was kind of my reading on it, is that, you know, he thought he'd go out, brazenly rob a couple of stores with reckless abandon, and then eventually a cop would put a bullet in his brain. And if he was super lucky, then it'd be his father who put him down. And then it would totally fuck up his dad. At least that's my read. This is the beginning okay. of the Danny Rowling inner mythos yeah. where he wants to portray himself and become in his own way an old west outlaw. Like he wants to be the real deal. He wants to be a child. He used to be a child, but he was born a child, but he needed to be an adult real early because he had to go out there and he'd drift from town to town. He'd make love here and there, but every once in a while you got to steal from a bank to get enough corn to make your rucksack full. Right, right. <laughs> At the same time, Danny would also cause chaos, hurt others, and spread around a bit of the anger that he was constantly feeling. But while he was turning fully to a life of crime, Danny was also bringing his violent sexual fantasies into reality. See, most serial killers begin moving into the realm of murder following a disappointing life event. And it seems like process killers like Danny Rowling are much more motivated by, quote, showing the world a thing or two than product killers like Dennis Nilsson or Jeffrey Dahmer. 
But mm. later on, Danny Rowling would become weirdly a product killer. But it, it does come from that perspective where it is not about spending time with a corpse and mm. ownership over a corpse, which is like Jeffrey Dahmer, Dennis Nelson, the idea of like, I finally can make a partner who could never leave style, mm -hmm. where his was about showing the world my rage, making them feel my rage, especially cops. Yeah. So maybe like a one-tenth pensrum? One-tenth pensrum. All mm -hmm. serial killers are at least a tenth pensrum. Okay. <laughs> And so, in 1979, just after being served his divorce papers, Danny broke into a woman's house in Shreveport in the middle of the night and raped her, although he stopped short of committing murder. Now, Danny was a truly pathetic figure on the criminal scene. While he liked to think of himself as the title character in the outlaw Josie Wales, he ended every armed robbery with a seemingly heartfelt apology, as if that made everything okay. In his first robbery, Rowling held up a 7-Eleven, but after being handed the till's entire take of $11, Danny handed it back and said it wasn't worth keeping. But over the next month, Danny's crime spree would show increasing returns. A liquor store robbery netted $200, while twin robberies of two Winn-Dixies in Montgomery, Alabama and Columbus, Georgia gained Danny almost $2,000 total, and he'd done it all with his cop father's stolen revolver. Symbolism! Wow, leave mm -hmm. the Winn-Dixie alone. That's my parents' favorite grocery store. They love the Winn-Dixie. I couldn't get hired at Winn-Dixie because I failed the drug test. And then I got hired <laughs> at the video store and everything was better. It was from the one time I smoked weed. You didn't have enough huh. drugs in your system. That's right. Ha ha! Boy, wouldn't uh, that go? Yeah, see, I, I actually got hired at the Lawrence Brothers uh, grocery store in Stanford, and I just barely got under the line of the drug test. I was really worried that I was going to fail the drug test, but I don't think they ever sent my piss away. I think they just hired me because they were tired. They, they probably just, just... Yeah, they just sent it to <laughs> one guy who just slams it down and be like, you'll be a good employee. It's a pass. <laughs> uh, also, the, uh, the I had this robbery, the same style robbery happened to me. I remember when I was uh, mugged for the second time and the man realized just how little money I had when I showed him that I had $3 in my wallet and I had a disc man. And then he asked me for my cigarettes and then he opened up my cigarette pack and he took a couple out and then threw the pack at me and then left me alone. Yeah, they're really people aren't walking around with that much money. <laughs> I, sometimes they do, but you got to so look I at guess. how they dress and see, because Maybe. I was not dressed like a man who had cash on him. So to get a little serious, truthfully, so he committed this horrible sexual assault, broke into this woman's house, and then he started robbing. Isn't yeah. the isn't the inverse usually true where they well, start uh, with the with the smaller crimes and then get to the uh, massive horrible crime? Uh, Snarping of, of, of leads to a sexual assault. The sexual assault, the thrill of that as probably a mirror to the same thrill that he gets from bank robbery because it's same, but also bank robbery has a practical need for him where yeah. bank robbering he views because he's formulating himself in the idea of an outlaw, the bank robbering is supposed to be his money jobs. That's where shit isn't personal. But when he is snarping, that's when it gets personal. Okay. Yeah. So they kind of ran concurrent. Yeah. But Danny never found that bullet that he was hoping for. And he was arrested after some witnesses saw him scampering into the woods after a robbery. Reportedly, when the cops caught up to him, Danny hung his head and said, quote, It's me. I did it. And I'm real sorry. I hate this Eeyore serial killer. <laughs> What's get, going on? Get used to it because it gets a lot more Eeyore as it goes. It does. 
Now, for this little crime spree, Danny was sentenced to six years in prison. But two months after being released, Danny ran off from a work detail after he told a guard he had to go take a dump in the woods. I'd still like to believe he took a dump first. <laughs> he may have, wait, this was like the 1970s. All you had to do is be like, I got a shit. And they're like, why don't, you just go to, why don't you just go to the Great Wide Open to do that? Well, because at this point, they didn't know he was snarping. They thought that he was just a bank robber. Oh, all right. But Danny was recaptured in town a few hours later, but even though he was very sorry, he got another year added to his sentence for the escape. Let's just say this one's on me, but <laughs> the apologies, you know, the thing is, Danny, yeah. Um, when you apologize, you have to show it through your actions. See, you see, you commit the same crimes over I'm and over. I'm sorry, I apologize too don't much. Don't apologize for apologizing. <laughs> Just stop committing armed robbery and stop peeping on women, please. I will say, I think more people need to have less windows in their homes. It's not the window's fault. <laughs> he then tried escaping again not too long after, but when the guard Danny tried overpowering tapped on his knowledge of Taekwondo, Danny got whacked in the nuts so hard that he suffered from a torn testicle for the rest of his life. God. Oh, now gosh. I gotta sit sideways. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's what they'll call me. The sideways robber. Because yeah. of my diagonal balls. Yeah, and your love of wine. Before long, though, Danny escaped yet another work detail after he was transferred to a prison in Alabama, and he spent a few nights at a nearby tent revival meeting listening to sermons before authorities tracked him down. Now, like many prisoners, Danny was given a psychological evaluation, which found that he, among other things, suffered from antisocial personality disorder, had deeply ambivalent feelings about his mother, and both idolized and deeply hated his father. Uh-oh. But even so, Danny was released from prison in 1984 and moved back in with his parents in Shreveport. While there, a neighbor named Gary Flowers remembered Danny jogging down the street carrying a log across his shoulders while inexplicably dressed up as Rambo. <laughs> serial killers are like this. This is a thing, that we, maybe not just serial killers. There's something about this stripe of douchebag that yeah. serves 19 months. What was it 19 months that he was in the army or what in the yeah. armed forces? If, if that, if that, and it was air force, it wasn't even the army. It was the fucking air. It wasn't he even the Marines. It was just the air force. You're just a glorified janitor for the country, for the state. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't see any combat. But these guys take this little kernel of authority and blow it out the, the, yeah. it's, because they're desperate for identity. I think that there there is a yeah. search for who am I? What is my role in life? And the that's why I think all of the him running to church and all that kind of shit is very empty. I think it is him just trying to find a place where he can just fit in in a way like he could like he has no personal stakes in any one of these games. But the Rambo thing <laughs> gives him weird personal agency because Rambo also was one man against that town. And if you mm -hmm. watch that first Rambo, he's a terrorist, technically. But the first one, <laughs> but he was a man that was abandoned by his country. I agree. I agree with him, but he's also a terrorist. But he's dressing like he's dressing Rambo two, Rambo three. Like uh, he's got it's the red headband. It's you know, the older the, brother from Goonies. But yeah. he wasn't cut like Sly was. No, he was. A, sure little, he was Junior Dumpling. Yeah, he's Junior. Yeah, he's the son of Baby Dumpling. 
Well, perhaps it was his odd appearance that attracted the neighborhood children. And before long, Danny was teaching the kids how to lift weights while he sang them his emo singer-songwriter compositions in his backyard. I like to watch oh, your God. little Bobby going to that chess machine. I like to watch what you're doing because make you big and mean. <laughs> I just... Stop, Danny! <laughs> I'm trying to lift weights here. I'm a child. <laughs> just, is there a parent in the town? Is one parent in this town? Does anyone care? Back in the 80s, man, you could just hang out with creepy old men all the time, and nobody really said much anything. And it was yes, cool. some kids got molested, absolutely. But sometimes you just hung out with a serial killer, and he didn't kill you. But within months, Danny left Shreveport, went hitchhiking, and ended up catching a ride with a guy named Jake. While they were driving down the road, though, the cops pulled them over and Jake handed Danny a 45 semi-automatic pistol for safekeeping. As it turned out, Jake had warrants. So when Jake was arrested, Danny drove Jake's car to the police station, abandoned his new acquaintance, and took off with the gun. Armed once more, Danny embarked on yet another crime spree. First, he robbed a Kroger in Mississippi while wearing a ski mask, then broke into a house where he ate bananas and yogurt. Remember that detail. Interesting. And after finishing his snack, Danny made sure to leave the empty yogurt container and the banana peel conspicuously placed on the kitchen table, which is a pretty common scare tactic amongst home invaders. Right. It shows a sense of possession of your own home. He comes in. This is how comfortable I was. We saw this with the yeah. East Area Rapist, uh, the, the original Night Sucker. We also had BTK. Same kind of shit, which shows... Richard Ramirez also. Yes. they. It, it is weird. That's why I start to kind of put him in a different category, where he does sound like kind of a flagrant, disorganized drifter killer. But then it's shit like this, where like he also had this like feeling of being a superior predator. Because that's what that shows to me. It shows that I can come in your house and spend as much time as I want in your house. And I want you to know that I was here and I was all through your shit. What it mm-hmm. shows to me is he did not eat before committing these crimes. And that is... Never, it's like Holden. shopping. Never go grocery shopping when you're hungry. Holden McNeely from Round Table of Gentlemen. Back in the day, we would we were record at this restaurant and he would bring chicken wings in to the recording. And we would say, can't you just eat before? It was 6 p.m. when we would do it. And he would say, no, I just got hungry now. And that's why this guy is such a douchebag. He needs to eat and then commit the home invasion. You can't eat at work. (laughs) However, it's not like the banana and yogurt family wouldn't have noticed someone had been in their home because Danny also stole their car after ferreting out the keys. Ah. But Danny was soon pulled over for driving erratically and was arrested for grand larceny and armed robbery after cops found the ski mask he used to rob the Kroger on the stolen car's passenger seat. Once again, Danny was very sorry for what he'd done, but this time he had a possible, if overly dramatic, solution. Reportedly, he told his lawyer, quote, I know I did wrong, and like I said, I'm sorry, but instead of going back to jail, yeah, listen to this, this is my pitch. Do you have a different idea? Yeah. Could I just have my hands cut off? Then I wouldn't be able to do any more bad things, because no one's ever heard of a foot robber. You know, in a very strange way, we can do that for you. Actually, it would actually be worse. I could use my hands because I'm a professional guitar player. Yeah, it would be hard for you. So maybe we could just have my dick split in two or so. I don't know. You're the lawyer. Well, you're, you're you're coming up with the suggestions here. 
Now, the judge didn't go for the hand solution, and Danny pleaded guilty. But just before sentencing, Danny shaved off all of the hair on his head, including his eyebrows, <laughs> in a misguided attempt to, quote, clean up his image. People forget that Lex Luthor was also a billionaire. And that's very true. He was successful in business. He shaved off all of his hair and his eyebrows. But then the worst thing he did was tear up the picture of the Pope. I can't believe he did that. Uh, that is a Sinead O'Connor reference. Yeah, and we yeah. hope she's doing okay because she has mental health issues and we hope her the best. Always wish her the best. Nothing compares to you. That was a wonderful cover of that Prince song. I'll cry. Oh, I didn't know that was a cover. Yeah, that's a Prince song. Yeah. But she really made it her own, didn't she? It's kind of like all along the watchtower. That's Jimmy's song now, you know. But Bobby even said that. Bobby, yeah, Bobby Dylan. That's what that. I've been calling him. I've been calling him Bobby yeah. more often. Bobby. <laughs> yeah, you guys are close. Yep. <laughs> the hairlessness, however, did nothing to convince the judge that Danny was a changed man. Mm. And Rowling was sentenced <laughs> to 15 years in prison for his latest crime spree. Okay. Three years later, though, Danny was paroled. And he moved back in with his parents in Shreveport, having oh. had no place else to go. There, his dad continued calling him a piece of shit, and Danny resumed his neighborhood Rambo routine. Fuck you, Dad! I'm going to the forest to start my militia! Okay. Eventually, Danny got a job at a convenience store, which he quickly lost, and that was followed by short stints at Circle K, Walmart, and The Sizzler. But oh. Danny couldn't keep a job to save his life. And honestly, you could be a waiter at The Sizzler if you have an open fucking head wound. <laughs> there is no way. How do you get fired I thought it was from The Sizzler? It's it? mostly buffet. Yeah, it's mostly buffet. You just have to... Anybody who gets the, the entrees at Sizzlers oh. are fucking psychopaths. Yeah, absolutely. Always get the buffet. It's Ponderosa rules as Wait, well. Wait, you're getting chained to a table? That's ridiculous. You got the buffet right there. That's freedom. <laughs> I'm with you. But this is America. I could not agree with you more. Well, about the only job Danny could keep was an electrician gig set up by his friend, Bunny Mills, oh. who nonchalantly played guitar and had casual sex with Danny once a week, but thankfully came out of the whole thing unscathed. It's about the guitar. It might be. But... Danny missed his calling, because even though he was a competent electrician, he was let go when work slowed down. Mm. From there, Danny moved on to Poncho's Mexican Buffet, where he was soon fired. But for some reason, losing the job at Poncho's was the last straw. It's hard to get fired from two buffets. Was he eating the beans? How did he get fired? How do you? I mean, really? It's like, a, all you have to do at a buffet waiter is that you just have to bring the plates and bring water. Was he the yeah. guy cutting the ham at the end of the buffet? Oh, you're <laughs> supposed to engage in conversation. You have to say that, yes. No, he, yeah, he was the guy that brought out the chips when they put up the little Mexican flag. When the oh. little Mexican flag, oh, he brings out the chips. And it's <laughs> fine. You fired from that. Uh, you don't show up to work. That's how. Uh. <laughs> oh, it's your conspicuous absence. <laughs> Danny Rowling did the George thing, where he just didn't what? show up, the George Costanza thing, uh. where he just didn't show up to work for three days and then just rolled in, acting like things are cool, been like, yeah. alright, ready for Danny? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he failed to show up for work on November 2nd and November 3rd, and then showed up on November 4th, Saying I didn't do fucking nothing wrong, man. Yeah, you know what I bet? It, here's what I bet it was: is that I because he can't, he fucking it, he made this huge scene. He threatened the manager. Wow. All the buffeteers were uncomfortable. What? 
I guarantee you what it was is that he he did that thing where like he didn't look at the schedule and he's like, well, I didn't look at the schedule. You posted the schedule after I left. So it's not my fault that I didn't show up for the last two days because I didn't know I was on the schedule. He, he does make a valid point there. <laughs> so they would update the schedule all weird. Absolutely. And you go in there because nothing is worse than an irate buffeteer. Oh. You know how it is because I've been a buffeteer and I have named myself sometimes co-captain buffeteer at a buffet when you're there and you notice honestly these onion rings these could be brought up faster i'm watching these looks like <laughs> oh my this god is, this is getting colder these lamps need to be turned up i feel mm -hmm. like when your family walked into the buffet they reminded you there was a two-hour time limit <laughs> I, I, oh yeah dude because we pushed it because I'm my, sure that you was did. what my father understood best about the economy is you have to make the buffet work for you can we get it to go no it's whatever you eat in the restaurant I, I could see the Zabrowski's be like, can I get a doggy bag for this? And just going to the mac <laughs> no. and cheese. You fucking act like my parents didn't understand you have to go off the grid for that. My mom used to line her purse with a Ziploc bag. <laughs> that is true. We do this to this day. An inner joke that Natalie and I do all the time because my mom does this. She goes, put it in your purse. Just put this in your purse. And she's like that's a classic. whole like turkey leg like wrapped in yeah. napkins. Well, that's classic. And then it goes yeah. in the freezer and then it's good for two years. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> What's poppin', listeners? I'm Lacey Mosley, host of the podcast Scam Goddess. Each week, I talk with very special guests about the scammiest scammers of all time. Want to know about fake heiresses? We've got them. What about career con men? We got them, too. Guys that will wine and dine you and then steal all your coins. Oh, yes, they're also represented. And I'm very excited to share that Scam Goddess has joined the Team Coco Network. So check out the show. I've got guests like Nicole Byer, Jamila Jamil, Ira Madison III, and I've even got a brand new episode where Conan O'Brien and I dig into the Wolf of Wall Street. So join the congregation. Listen to Scam Goddess wherever you get your podcasts. I don't know for sure, but it seems like Danny didn't show up for work because he'd been distracted by the resumption of an old habit. See, Danny had started peeping again. I'm not calling it snarping. Okay. I'm sticking with peeping. He's I'm going with peeping. It. Okay. I'm, I'm sticking with it. If I say it, I know what I'm saying. I know what I'm saying. You can yeah. snarp and, and uh, Marcus will say peep. Mm-hmm. But Danny added an odd twist. Instead of peeping on ladies, Danny was peeping on entire families. Gross. Oh and he'd gosh. become focused on a particular family called the Grissoms, which included Father Tom, his 24-year-old daughter Julie, and his 8-year-old grandson Sean. For days, if not weeks, Danny would show up to the Grissom house at dawn and stand outside their window unseen, oh, watching God. them as they interacted with each other and got ready for their day. This is why whenever I get a house and I might be in the woods at 9 p.m. every night, I'm taking a shotgun and I'm just shooting it in the air. <laughs> I, I, this is so scary. Like, this idea is so scary. It really is. This is what haunts me. It's oh, this type of yeah. shit. Where because you could tell in a way Danny Rowling is looking through the windows with almost a nostalgia of a life he didn't have. I can almost kind of see that where he looks at this family and a part of the fascination is, is watching a functioning family go and then his I'm going to show the whole world my rage shit starts popping up because he's mm -hmm. like, fuck this family for being together. Do you yeah. think that he would just have become an Internet voyeur, no longer being a tangible peeper? No, this no. Is, he's a serial society? killer. Yeah, OK, so no matter even with like today's like only he wouldn't get like an OnlyFans for looking at families. I don't even know what that means. OnlyFans. I think that's just Pornhub. Yeah. But do so you think he would still be active? 
I think the idea that the internet is preventing people from being serial killers, uh, as far as like them getting their rocks off, I think that's bullshit. People okay. who are going to kill are going to kill no matter what. It's not like, you know, everyone started killing when movies started getting more violent in the 70s and 80s. People have always killed. They've always, their serial killers have always existed. Mass murders have always existed. And they probably always will. Humans at their core do not change. Well, this we're has been by, a we're... very strange Gaia meetup. It is, uh, man. Thank you for that non-encouraging. <laughs> view of the future <laughs> humans are a violent primate yeah we're very very violent i think serial killers get caught much faster now that's sure. why there aren't as many serial killers it's just the you know the investigative tools that people have are just so much better now than they were in the 70s right now from what it sounds like this wasn't the only family that danny had watched but what we do know is that the grissoms were the family that danny had in his sights when he was fired from poncho's mexican buffet and so, just like after his divorce, Danny decided to take his anger out on other people. Except this time, the result would be an absolutely brutal, triple murder carried Ugh. out with a cruelty not seen since the days of BTK. On November 6th, two days after Danny was fired, he rode his bike to the field behind the Grissom's home at about 10 p.m. See, that night... Tom Grissom had been barbecuing outside and had unfortunately left the door to their back porch open. So Danny, wearing camouflage pants, jungle boots, and a black t-shirt, hopped the Grissom's fence and burst into their living room through the back door, essentially dressed in the same Rambo outfit he'd been seen wearing around the neighborhood. I don't know why that detail makes me even more frightened. There's something yeah. about that, that detail of like the idea he had a costume. Yeah. In fact, I mean, he came with all the Rambo accoutrement because slung around his shoulder in a makeshift holster was a large USMC K-Bar knife with a wood handle and a jagged-edged 8-inch long blade. So, brandishing a 38 revolver, Danny commanded Tom, Julie, and Sean Grissom to lay on the floor, where Danny handcuffed Tom Grissom's hands behind his back mm. and duct-taped his mouth shut. After securing Tom... Rowling then bound Julie and Sean's hands behind their backs with duct tape and taped their mouths shut before returning to Tom. Danny then led him from the living room into the utility room where he stabbed Tom from behind, piercing his right kidney. He then turned Tom around and drove the knife upward into his heart just below the sternum, killing him. These also were techniques he learned from years of hunting. Danny then returned to the living room and almost casually killed Sean Grissom by stabbing him in the back. And as Sean bled out on the floor, Danny led Sean's mother into the bathroom where he raped her on the sink countertop. Finally, Danny led Julie to Tom's bedroom where he stabbed her three times in the back, once on the right side, once on the left, and once through her spine. <sighs> and afterward, Danny washed Julie's vagina with vinegar to remove DNA traces, then left the body spread-eagled on the edge of the bed. With the family completely annihilated, Danny used the family's washer and dryer to clean his clothes. Then he removed the duct tape he'd used to bind and silence the Grissoms before leaving the scene. Because oh he did God. understand that they look at duct tape for evidence of fingerprints and hair uh, and hairs and stuff like that. So he knew that. I Ugh. guess he knew that from his father. I'm not certain if he knew that like specifically or if he just looked it up or if he'd become a... Because this is a thing that maybe we'll talk about more in next episode where 
do we think he was a serial killer fanboy mm-hmm. and he learned from reading about serial killers like he learned how to cover up his crimes more often like and better and he also specifically posed the body which mm-hmm. is a the sign that he had a whole different agenda in mind that this wasn't just impulse driven this was a an expression of rage that he wanted people to see. So he did move the body and put her in a way where her hair was fanned out on the bed mm. uh, and she was like displayed. Mm-hmm. Now the police never even came close to Danny Rowling for the Grissom triple murder until Danny was already arrested for the Gainesville murders. But friends noticed that Danny became by the start of 1990, more solitary, nervous, and secretive. But at the same time, Danny was also becoming more braggadocious, even though he had nothing to brag about. He'd hang out every night at the Superior Bar and Grill in Shreveport, bragging that he was going to break big as a songwriter, even though the manager at the Superior wouldn't even let Danny set up for a show in the corner of the bar. Danny, I don't know how to tell Uh. you this, but you ran 20 minutes over the light last week. (laughs) I had... Too much to say. You know my I'm sorry song is 35 minutes long. (laughs) Then, about a month after the Grissom murders, Danny managed to get a job as a telemarketer, but didn't make a great impression after he showed up wearing army fatigues and combat boots while carrying the same K-bar knife that he'd used less than a month before to slaughter a family of three. You should never be a regular at your local army surplus store. They should know you by sight. They have to hide some things. You should go there when you have like a Halloween costume and you need to find pants. And I'm not, um, you know, of course, it's not a defense of Danny Rowling, but it is a telemarketing job. They can't see you. So can't you just dress however you want? It's about an office culture, I think. He came in. Did he come with a knife? He came in with an eight inch blade and is like a holster that he made himself. Technically, the, that would have only been mildly acceptable at Poncho's Mexican Buffet because at least that's food service. <laughs> but in, in Shreveport, can't you sign up for like a like one of those kind of like emotional support knives? Yeah, you can actually have all of your limbs cut off and replaced with guns and knives. <laughs> now, while Danny soon got fired from the telemarketing job as well, he'd also made friends with a couple of retirees at the Superior Bar and Grill. Stephen and Louisa Clausen took a shine to Danny for one reason or another, and after he fixed the floodlights at their house, they all started hanging out. Uh-oh. Sometimes a weird dude just starts hanging out your house for some reason, and you just don't know how you've become best friends, yeah. and you, <laughs> you got to figure out being like, well, I guess you're my family now? I guess. Yeah. Now, unlike most people, the Clausens actually liked Danny's music and oddly hired him to sing at a children's birthday party, even though all of his songs were mopey, dark and overly emotional while also being somehow shallow. And I can just see him (laughs) setting up for the stage and he's got his fatigues on and he's just like, this song is about the horrors of war. (laughs) as all of these children just watch him. (laughs) In fact, Danny was so emotional about his music that he took great offense at said children's birthday party when only the kids were paying attention because Danny expected everyone at the party to drop everything they were doing and quietly enjoy the rolling vibes. Bullets are the worst kind of bird. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, Danny had kept his darker impulses under control in the months after murdering the Grissom family. But on April 27th, 1990, Rowling almost died in a car accident, but came away instead with yet another nasty head injury. While driving through a freak storm, Danny's car hydroplaned, and at the same time, a gust of tornado-force wind propelled the car 12 feet into the air where it smashed into the top of a telephone pole. And because Danny wasn't really a seatbelt guy, oh, he, flew, <laughs> he flew out of the car and landed on his head. And after recovering, Danny resumed peeping, and before long, he was breaking into homes to rape women, escalating more and more each time back towards murder. But in May of 1990, the world was almost spared the worst of Danny's crimes when Danny was almost put away for attempting to murder his own father. Now, the fight started, as it usually did, with something terribly small. See, Danny had just arrived back at his parents' house after a night at the Superior Bar and Grill. And James started screaming at Danny to roll up the goddamn windows on his car because it was raining. But Danny uh -huh. said he didn't need to roll up his windows because the car was parked under an awning. It's under an awning, Dad! All right, yeah, I'm 36 <laughs> oh years God. old. <laughs> and I am a full-grown, balding man. But you will not tell me to close the windows of my car if I don't need to, Danny. Wow. Then Danny put his shoe on a bench in the kitchen to oh, tie his laces. Oh, 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 that escalated oh. things even further. And Danny said, quote, I got my foot on the bench, old man. What are you going to do about it? And that's when the guns came out. Oh, my goodness. Both men pulled out their revolvers. I shoot you! I shoot you! <laughs> what? What? And after several warning shots were fired, James Rowling declared that he was going to kill this whole goddamned family once and for all. Oh. But instead of killing his family, James Rowling simply locked himself in the kitchen. Mm. Danny, not satisfied with this conclusion, he kicked down the door, fired his 38 twice, and hit his father in the stomach and right between the eyes. Dang. And when Danny's mother walked into the room, she found her eldest son kicking her husband's badly wounded body, saying, Lord, forgive me, over and over again. Danny then ran off and disappeared. I'm going to the woods! Wow, back to the woods to take another shit. You can see him, like, running through all the... Oh, the trees, they accept my apologies. Oh, my God. Father didn't die though. No, nope. absolutely not? survived. I would imagine he probably the the thirty eight glanced off of his forehead. Something happened. Okay. Something happened. But yeah, he didn't die. Now Danny ran away thinking that he'd murdered his father, but instead of hitting the road immediately, Rowling showed up at Stephen and Louisa Clausen's house, dressed in his standard Rambo uniform and brandishing his K bar knife. But instead of just knocking on the door and asking for help, Danny broke into his friend's house through the back door and surprised them as they were in bed watching TV at the end of a long day. Danny then pointed his handgun at his two supposed friends and told them that he was in big trouble for shooting his father and all he needed was their money. Now the Clausens sound like they're about the most patient people in the goddamn world because they spent the next two hours trying to calm Danny down. They kind of seem to know it. And they also weirdly reacted like they've had guns pointed at them before. That they're like comfortable with guns. Yeah, they like, came Danny, in and they're what like, are you doing? Danny, are we serious here, Danny? Meanwhile, full Rambo outfit, <laughs> fucking right. eight inch knife, just being like, yeah. I fucking killed tonight. I killed and no one will accept my apology. 
Well, it does seem like you're not sorry. Again, actions. You have to change your actions. <laughs> That's as good as an apology. I wrote it down. <laughs> By the end of it, Stephen Clausen gave Danny 30 bucks and Louisa sent him off with cookies and fruit. Oh. Danny then apologized for pulling the gun and for tracking mud on their carpet before he cried and left Shreveport forever. Oh, so my pathetic. God. Okay. And within weeks, Danny had robbed $1,600 from a supermarket in Kansas City and told the cashiers on the way out, quote, Thank you. God bless. Please pray for me. I need it. God damn, you're annoying, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> then two weeks later, he returned to the same store to rob it again. What? But came away with nothing. Again? The guy just <laughs> I'm just going to put this out there. This is a pre-sorry. Because I'm going to have to rob you again. Wow. Maybe don't rob me anymore. And from there, Danny floated around the Southeast for a small-time crime spree, robbing two Kansas City grocery stores and a Taco Bell before breaking into a home where he stole the ID of a man named Michael Kennedy. Hmm. Danny then moved on to Sarasota, Florida, where he became Michael Kennedy for a time, bought some glasses at LensCrafters, he ate out at Choney's, he bought a bunch of gaudy jewelry from Tilden Ross Jewelers, gold yes. chain, but shitty ring. Yes, uh -huh. my name is Michael Kennedy. Michael Kennedy? Yeah, I got bad <laughs> eyesight, that's for certain. I love a Salisbury so steak. you say your name is Michael. Yep. Well, so who? Michael Kennedy. Where is he? It's you. Whoa. If I scream like, "Hey Danny." Yep. Okay. So you're are you so you're Danny? No. Thank you, Michael. I'm sorry for taking a driver's license. <laughs> it's fine. I'm just going to need it back. I'm Michael. <laughs> Danny also began telling stories to everyone he met, claiming that he was a Vietnam War veteran who owned a trucking company in Kansas City and had also just sold a song for $10,000. <sighs> if only. But you know what's funny? His uh, lies of ambition are modest. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Where it's that's like, okay, a lot of people were in still, Vietnam. A lot of people run construction companies. He's still in front of you. So his lies can't be that big. He can't right. be yeah. like, I'm a professional basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> right. But at the same time, Danny was building up to something terrible, and he knew it. A week before the murders in Gainesville, Danny sat down with a tape recorder in a motel room in Sarasota. There, Danny recorded a protracted message to his family and the police, explaining what he was about to do and, of course, apologizing to his family while also telling them how great they were. He said, among other things, quote, Pa, I'll tell you, you got a good one. And she got her a good one, too. <laughs> and you're a good man, Pop. Oh, well, I want you to go on. What I'm trying to say is that after this tape, you're not going to hear anything else from me. Just forget about me. Just forget about me. I'm going to... <laughs> I'm going to sing every song I ever wrote. <laughs> I'm going to sing it to you, Mom, and I'm going to sing it to you, Daddy. Oh, my. I'll sing them to you, Pop, <laughs> if you want to listen. I don't. I don't want to listen. You didn't ever want to listen. No, I know. That's kind of why you're here in this situation with your mental illness. It's interesting. So he recorded this tape, and then immediately for the next, like, two weeks, he was looking at the iTunes charts just to see how well is it doing. But... Uh, he didn't go alt right enough. They changed no. the algorithm. <laughs> yeah. Danny then played and sang 
all of his songs. He had one about Jesse James. He had one called Boggy Bayou. One called I Need a Job. Honestly, he should be playing that song a lot more. In front of a future employer, perhaps. (laughs) I need a job, not one for slob. I'll need one right here, right now. (laughs) And he played this song right here, Mystery Writer, which is just a fucking ripoff of House of the Rising Sun. so forth mystery writer what's your name black leather black riding white horse it's fucking terrible can you imagine the 15 minute version he did of that at the children's birthday party (laughs) (laughs) wow he seems like the kind of guy who really takes that song super seriously very serious but like the one that's like you don't know what it's like to be a bad man. <laughs> like he is, because I just pictured that's the soundtrack in his head as oh, he yeah, runs dude. with the log oh, yeah. and army fatigue. No one will ever know him. No one will. Uh. He's too mysterious. He's too intense. He's too real. Also, They'll never get to know his passion. You can just see the poor guy in the hotel room next to him, just with his eyes bugged out, just be like, "I need to fucking sleep, man." Honestly, I <laughs> smoked, how am I gonna get Becky back, man? I smoke too much crack for this song to be my <laughs> soundtrack right now. Bro, shut up, dude. So the night after Danny recorded his shout out goodbyes and all of his songs, he pawned his guitar and bought a nine millimeter semi-automatic handgun for five hundred dollars. And by August eighteenth, Danny had left Sarasota. And he arrived in Gainesville. There, he began stalking students at the University of Florida. And that's where we'll end our series next week with the Gainesville Ripper murders and the serial killer groupie that arrived afterward. I saw a man in my mind. A man in black. Yeah. On a black horse. And he was humping me. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, the idea. Sandra yeah. enters Sandra. the room. I think we have to publicly shame the everyone involved in this case. <laughs> it is. Oh, all right. Well, uh, good job on bringing some levity to that horrible fucking story. It's a fucked up story. I can't you have believe no the, fucking idea I don't how bad know. it's going to get next week. I am so happy I don't know that yet. It is. Yeah, I'm actually going to, for this next week, I'm going to say every day, I'm going to say, I don't know what he did. Isn't that nice? And then by next week, I'll say, now I do. Yeah. And now it's kind of ruined uh, a little bit more. So then that's where where we always catch up. But that's why we'll cleanse it afterwards with a UFO episode. And everyone's going to be like, oh, all real shit. Yeah. Oh, look at this real news. It's more fun anyway. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. That's fascinating. I Just be very careful. And as we learned with the Richard Chase lock story. Lock your doors. Lock the door. Any little any little thing. Just any little stop. Yeah. Well, because these people are idiots. They're lazy. They're just. Yeah. They need a reason to stop. Yeah. You Ugh. don't have to live in fear. Just have to lock your doors. Yeah. That's just what I Just make sure your doors are locked. Doors are locked. Windows are locked. Just make sure that's, and that. And that's usually good enough. 
Also, I have one of those alarm systems that says like it says whenever any door is open, like you hear like backyard door ajar. That's like every scary. time it opens up. And we're always so scared of like hearing that upstairs. You can just hear like living room window ajar. That's scary. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Well, let's see here. So we got Grundy County. We're now. coming All of those at you tickets now. Tickets are sold out, but that's so exciting. We are gonna yeah. figure, honestly. You you will find out tonight what it was we can maybe make up on stage. Yes. Um, and that will right. be interesting. I'm very excited to get back in the groove. I'm excited. We're going to be in Nashville. We're going to, uh, man, it's, it's fun to happen again, boys. Yeah. It's happening again, boys. It's happening. And we hope everyone is being safe and responsible Absolutely. out there. Um, I know there's a lot of thoughts and mistrust when it comes to all of the things going on, but I would say I got the vaccine. Yep. I'm fine. I just want to throw that out there, let people Dude, know. Dude, I, I didn't get not, any symptoms. I, I, I know I had, had to say that, but like, I mean, I was tired, but that was it. I got sick as fuck, but I got over it in about eight hours. Got the chills, got the fever, but hey, you know, it was fine. It was fucking worth it. I'm fully vaccinated now. Fully fucking vaccinated now. Yeah. Well, I think people are trying to marry the idea that like, how do we trust these, you know, corporate entities and the government? But in this case, I can just, I just, so I understand, you can rationalize that and you can say, be skeptical, but also get the vaccine. Yeah, because it is the, it's just the proper thing to do. It's just also, just get it. So, um, uh, vaccines work. It's uh, yeah. part of uh, human history. If you deny your vaccines, you begin to sound like someone who is unhinged and uneducated yeah yeah <laughs> all right everyone well thank you all so much for listening hope everyone is being safe and uh, anything else keep on supporting all the shows here we on the got, last podcast network we're fucking yeah do listen to no dogs in space we're four parts into a six-part series on the beastie boys right now is the perfect Ooh. time to get into it and we got two episodes left of uh, Dunecast, uh, and Deep Dives Dune which I'm really excited to choose I and it's not that I'm excited to stop reading Dune Seems I'm like excited to read Dune for pleasure again. Yeah. Isn't that nice? And not have to orate all of your thoughts. But it's fun at the same time. It's yes. getting down the goods of yeah. Dune. And check out Abe Lincoln's Top Hat and, of course, all the other shows here. So, all right, everyone. Well, we uh, we love you very much. Hope you're hanging in there. And hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Geem. Magustalations. Hail me, you fucking pieces of fuck. Is it safe? Put your blinds down? But then you have to live in your own... Pro we can't be scared either. Just lock your windows. Just, just lock, lock your windows, windows. Lock your windows and lock your doors. That's all Especially you really need to do. And lick and, a and, knife. Lick yeah. a knife outside. <laughs> like, you look through your window. You peep the peeper. Also, mm -hmm. have a grenade in your home. Because if you do see the man, you can pull the pin, hold the grenade, being like, we'll both go, motherfucker. We'll both do this. Mutual destruction always wins. I love that. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. What's poppin', listeners? I'm Lacey Mosley, host of the podcast Scam Goddess. Each week, I talk with very special guests about the scammiest scammers of all time. Want to know about fake heiresses? We've got them. What about career con men? We got them, too. Guys that will wine and dine you and then steal all your coins. Oh, yes, they're also represented. And I'm very excited to share that Scam Goddess has joined the Team Coco Network. So check out the show. I've got guests like Nicole Byer, Jamila Jamil, Ira Madison III, and I've even got a brand new episode where Conan O'Brien and I dig into the Wolf of Wall Street. So join the congregation. Listen to Scam Goddess wherever you get your podcasts.